Well, I want to welcome you today to the Hills Church at Home. So glad that you're a part. In fact, I'd encourage you to do this. Go to our website if you haven't done this already, uh, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can download today's message notes and our kids activity sheet. Uh, each and every week, we don't get an opportunity to hit all of the verses, though we want you to have many of them, because the most important part is that you are going back and studying these verses uh, for yourself. So download those if you have any kids, grandkids. In fact, download them and have them on hand in case any kids come over. They, they usually go right along with our message today. So glad you're a part. In fact, if you're watching today, uh, I want to apologize a little bit for some camera and lighting issues that we have. I might look red, and I'm not sunburned at all. We're just having a few camera and audio. If you're only listening, then I look great because you don't see anything at all. So, so glad that you're a part. So um, the title for today's message, as we have been in the book of Revelation for the en entire summer, which Revelation actually teaching it is a challenge of studying all of the different pieces because it was prophesied back in Daniel and Ezekiel and Zechariah. Jesus talked about it. Uh, we know John talked about it. We know that the Apostle Paul talked about it. And Jesus made sure that John had this book of Revelation. And John said that if you read this book, you are blessed. So as you're reading along today, please know that you're blessed. But our title today, and maybe you've heard this phrase before, but we're going to look at some of the scriptures, is a thief in the night. A thief of the night. In fact, let me just jump into this one uh, verse, actually these two verses. And we read this right before the seventh bowl judgment that Jesus yells. And here's what Jesus yells. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together at a place in Hebrew, Armageddon. It's interesting that um, Jesus yells this, behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed, do he, blessed is he who watches and he who keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. In fact, let me come back to that in a minute. You know, we really mentioned this um, over a year ago, and I, I wanted to revisit this one phrase, that you and I are living in days that shouldn't shake our faith. It should awaken our faith. As we read the Bible, in fact, it, it really is true. You can almost get your Bible out, get some of these prophetic verses, and follow along with some of the the news titles of the day, and it's almost shocking. It's it's kind of a, a precursor of things to come. So let's not allow these days to shake our faith at all. This should be a day that we are awakened in our faith because you and I are living in these days where it is the soon coming time that Jesus comes back for his church. Well, before we move on, in fact, let, let me uh, mention this before, and I, I try to do this uh, week in and week out. The very next event that we expect to see 
is, as we read about from the Apostle Paul, that there is going to be a, a shout from heaven, a voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first, and those who remain will be caught up in the air. In fact, we call that the rapture. That word rapture uh, is not found in the Bible. In fact, the word uh, for rapture is the word caught away. Uh, it's also, we read the term in the Bible, the gathering together of the saints, caught up. We know that that happened to the apostle Paul. He was caught up into the third heaven. He uses that language. Uh, John didn't know whether he was in a vision or not. He was caught, caught up to see. The Christian believer on earth when Jesus returns in the clouds, he doesn't step foot on earth yet, is what we call the rapture of the church, where we go and meet him in the air and will forever be with the Lord. We know that there's a time of us sitting at the judgment seat of Christ. There's the marriage supper of the Lamb. But Jesus is then going to return. In fact, we're reading about it. We'll look at that here in the next week. Uh, which we call the second coming of Christ. And there are many verses in the gospel, in fact, that you can look at that some look like, oh, that has to do with the rapture of the church. Oh, that's some definitely the second coming. But as we know each and every way, even at the end that we looked at, that God is going to use an angel to preach the gospel. And that's what we know is kind of, of, of waiting and hinging on that, is that everyone that was supposed to hear the gospel Here's the gospel, and then there'll be the shout and the trumpet. We also know that the church, the body of Christ, is the one that we read about uh, in 1 Thessalonians that's holding back this Antichrist for things to go on. It's holding things back. So that next event that we believe will take place will be the rapture of the church. You know, it's interesting when you read about the book of Revelation, it really gives us a clear picture of the events of the tribulation. In fact, many specific details about that terrible time. And we read that in Revelation chapter four through chapter 18. You know, the tribulation is a time of great judgment, a time when those that are left on earth after the rapture will suffer because of their unbelief in Jesus Christ. So John sees these judgments in a series of 21 events. Isn't that interesting? The breaking of the seven seals, the blowing of the seven trumpets, and the pouring out of seven bowls. This shows us the seriousness by which God views sin. And it's payment for those that are not covered by the blood of Jesus. In fact, I, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but it, but we do celebrate uh, this as Communion Sunday. And so uh, I do want you aware and prepared that at the end we will receive communion together. So if you need to pause or wait or get some elements to do so. But here's what we remember about that, that... Um, the, the seriousness by which God views sins and its payment for those that are not covered by the blood of Jesus. I think it's also interesting that we mentioned that when we are reading and studying the book of Revelation, that immediately we think about 
judgment, right? We think about all of these things that we just mentioned and read. And yes, it is true. There are judgments in the book of Revelation, but the book of Revelation doesn't end with judgment. Here's what I think is also interesting. The Bible begins in paradise, Genesis chapter one and chapter two, the creation of God. And it ends in the book of Revelation in paradise. Interesting, right? The beginning of Genesis and the end of Revelation beginning in paradise, living in paradise. You know, this world that we're in is so noisy. There's always something new. There's always something that seems to be yelling. It's distracting, right? There's either someone or someone that is always screaming for attention and getting attention. And I think for a moment in this one verse that Jesus is going to yell back and he's going to yell back. And hopefully it's at uh, the, the people on earth, the church, that they're needed to be ready, that they need to be ready. And he's going to use that word uh, that he's going to come like a thief. And I think it's important that we all remember we've got to stay awake in these days. So let's read that verse again. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 15 through 16. Jesus, now think about him this, yelling this. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and he who keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together at a place in Hebrew called Armageddon. Next week, we're going to spend time looking at that battle of Armageddon and looking uh, at what the Bible records in Ezekiel, or actually Daniel and Ezekiel, and that takes place in this battle as Jesus returns to claim this earth as his kingdom. And in fact, the, the following week, uh, we'll look at the thousand-year reign of Christ or what we call the millennium. So we'll look at that the uh, Armageddon and the thousand year reign of Christ. But Jesus shouts that he is coming as a thief. Now, now we looked at this last week, John 10, 10. The thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is not the thief. The thief is Satan himself. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus then in John 10, 10 said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So Jesus is using the imagery and the analogy and the thought of a thief. That the thief is going to come in a moment's time that you do not know. That's what he's using. He's going to use that. He is not coming to steal, kill, and to destroy. Actually, he's going to fight for his kingdom, but he's going to come back uh, as quickly as a thief comes in. You know, my first day in Bible college, first day in Bible college, I had a Mitsubishi Montero. I can remember if I close my eyes and think about where I parked, I was attending a Life Bible College, and it was right in Echo Park, Los Angeles. And at that time, uh, uh, Echo Park was a really rough uh, area of town. I still can remember on the lower parking level, my first semester in Bible college, that it was all yellow taped off and the police were doing an investigation because they found a dead body in the middle of the night and they were doing an investigation. I still can remember walking on the sidewalks to enter into the Bible college building 
that I looked down and there were footprints in blood uh, that something had happened throughout the night. So it was a, um, a definite rough area. So all of the guys that we were carpooling with, all of them were jokesters and practical jokesters. And so upon leaving Bible college that day and coming back out to the parking lot, all of us together to get in my car, the space where I had parked that morning, the space was empty. And I looked down and there was no broken glass. There was nothing that would have indicated that my car had been stolen. In fact, the very first thing that I thought was, one of these guys got in my briefcase, took my keys, moved my car somewhere so that I would come out and be all panicked because my car was stolen. In fact, I, I think I got in almost every one of them, got in their face personally and said, what did you do with my car? Where did you put my car? And at the end of it, nobody had touched my car. My car actually was stolen on the first day of Bible college. Well, somebody quickly drove me down to the LAPD station in Rampart and I filed a, um, a stolen car report. In fact, what I remember that was the most disappointing out of all of this was that I still had my letterman's jacket from high school. For some reason, I had had it in uh, my car that it was stolen. Well, several weeks later, I finally got a phone call through my insurance company that they found my car. I really liked my car. The challenge of my car was I was going into Bible college. I had changed uh, jobs that I was doing. I didn't know how I was going to afford this car anymore, but they found my car. So part of it, that was a good feeling, but they found it in the mountains of Tijuana. And they let me know at that time, there was no agreement with the government of Mexico that they would get my car and bring it back into me. And it was going to be a total loss, which the first thing that came to my mind was that I lost my letterman's jacket. But what, what ended up happening in the next few weeks was not only did I get uh, money back to pay off the car, I got money to buy a car and it was all completely paid for. But on the first day of Bible college, some thief came and stole my car. So Jesus is going to use that analogy of when he comes back, it's going to be like a thief. And he wants to use that analogy to keep us awake so that we are aware that we viewed things in calendar and date and in time. And he's not. He's outside of time. In fact, I, I was thinking of this analogy this week. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Only the Father knows when he's going to look over at Jesus and tell Jesus to come and get his church. Only the father knows. Jesus told it that. He doesn't know. The angels of heaven doesn't know. Only the father. And I, I, I really think about, I can't quite get the thought out of my mind. Every time the father looks over at Jesus, Jesus might think this is, this is the time. You know, it's like the coach looking at the guy that's on the bench that's ready to get in, right? He's ready to get in. They just need the coach to say, go. And that person is ready to get in and they're not going to give up that spot again. I almost think that Jesus is always ready to go get his church. You know, he laid down his life. He told his disciples how much he loved them. Even in the midst uh, of the time of communion, he wanted them to remember him. Even though he knew the days would be difficult and tough for them as ahead, he wanted that presence with them. In fact, he even taught them in John 14, 15, 16, 17 about the Holy Spirit, that it was so important that he left 
because if he didn't leave, the Holy Spirit wouldn't come. The Holy Spirit would reside in them. I believe Jesus wants to come back so, so quickly to receive us to himself. But there's a delay, and we know there's a delay because some haven't heard the gospel. And I, I love this part where I just kind of get a picture of Jesus shouting, right? Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and he who keeps his garment, lest he walk naked and is afraid. Well, this isn't the first time Jesus said this. We read this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42 through 44. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. Notice he uses this word in this verse. If the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken. Therefore, you also be ready. Let me say that again to all of us. Be ready. Be ready. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. You know, nowadays, um, many of our, our homes, our, our doorbells have cameras. Many people's homes have security cameras. Uh, what we notice, we'll get alerts uh, of, of neighbors not far from us in the middle of the night that their floodlights go on, their cameras are recording people as they go up to car doors and jiggle on the doors to see if they're open or they try to take bicycles or they try to take something. And the camera is what is alert and awake. And you know, you know what's crazy to see on these videos? It's like the people don't care and their full image is being seen on camera in light and they don't care. Jesus said, if the master of the house would have known, they would have been ready. So Jesus's admonishment to us is that we live in a posture and a life of being ready for when he comes. Being ready for when he comes. Well, we read this all throughout the Gospels. In fact, uh, we read this in Matthew chapter 25, verse 13. Watch therefore, for you do not know neither the day or the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. The early disciples, the apostles, they thought he was coming back at any time. What's well, been over 2,000 years? The apostle Paul thought he was coming back at any time. Well, it's been, been over 2,000 years. But we need to live in that state of mind of readiness. Jesus shouts it for us to be ready because he is coming back. Mark picks this up in Mark chapter 13, verse 35 through 37. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowning of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I shall say to you is I shall say, watch. That's a good word, isn't it? Watch. Boy, when you read the headlines of, the, of today, and, and we shouldn't always shake our head and say, I, I just can't, I can't believe that. We're to be watchful. We're to say things with our mouth. You know, Jesus is coming soon. 
We've got to be ready. Jesus is coming soon. Oh, we've got to pray for that, that loved one that does not know the Lord, that Jesus is coming soon. We need to pray for our neighbors that do not know Jesus because he's coming soon. A day, an hour, a time that we're, we have no idea, but we're to be watchful. We're to be watchful. Well, Luke picks us up. Luke chapter 21, 34 through 36. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighted down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and the day come on you unexpected. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. It will come as a snare. Mean they're not aware. In fact, he goes on, he says, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that come to pass and stand before the Son of Match. Watch therefore and pray. So here's what we know is important. We're to be watchful that Jesus is coming back. No man knows the hour, time, or day. Jesus said that only the Father knows. But we're to be people that pray always. We're to have a sense and to know the seasons that we're in, the timing of the Lord. We're not going to know the day or hour. We're not going to know the year or the time. But we're to be pray, prayerful people awake and alert in these days. You know, my, my pastor years ago used to tell stories back in the 40s and 50s that said, if you were in a movie theater and Jesus was coming back, he wouldn't take you because you were in the movie theater. If you're in the bowling alley and Jesus came back, he'd leave you in the bowling alley. You know, so I, I don't know if they all thought they used that for y'all should have been in church because that's where Jesus is going to get you. Well, we, we don't read that at all. We're to be watchful and we're to be people prayed up because he's coming back at a time that we have no idea that we're not aware. Well, as we've been reading these verses before, the Apostle Paul says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2 through 5, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as what? A thief in the night. For when we say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they should not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the sons of light and the sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. I love that part that he says. He wants to remind us we're not the part of the darkness. It should not overtake us as a thief in the night. You're the sons of light and you're the sons of the day. Remember that whole bit watchful, peace, safety, alert. In fact, then Peter picks up on it, right? Might as well. I mean, they're all picking up on this. Notice that the Holy Spirit wants to make sure that from Mark, from Matthew, Mark, Luke, to the Apostle Paul, to Peter, to Jesus telling this to John, that something is shouting, be alert, be awake, because he's coming like a thief in the night. I hope that we're all hearing that loud and clear, that we're to be people that are alert. So Peter says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, 
and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. You know, let me go back up and let, let me read that one verse because I, again, I it was one of those things so clearly this week that it's like Jesus yelled, behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment, lest he walk naked and see his shame. And then it shifts right to, and they were all, and they gathered them at a place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Be alert, be aware. Living in these days shouldn't shake our faith. It should awaken our faith. You know, and I, I, I've said this time and time again, and I truly believe that. I believe that the Apostle Paul would trade days with us. The apostles would trade time. Those Some of those early church people, man, they would say, tag me in. I want to live in the days you're living in. So let's live in these days, eyes wide open, watchful, knowing that he's coming, knowing the terminology that's used like a thief in the night, knowing that we're to walk in light, we're not to walk in darkness, we're to be alert, we're to be prayerful people, because Jesus is returning. You know, if you go on our website, you go under pastors and leaders, there's actually a section that says it's an end times letter. It's a letter that you can download and that you can actually uh, really create and, and change anything you'd like to leave it for a loved one, a family member, coworker, a neighbor. On those that get left behind and don't know Jesus, to tell them and to teach them about what is about to happen next. And when we checked uh, back this week, we noticed that over 600 people have downloaded that one letter. And it, it lets me know it's not just happening from uh, people that attend our, our service or online or listen, but people are downloading them or they're telling others to download them because it's so important. If we believe these things with all of our heart, we want to make sure that everybody has a chance to hear and has a chance to experience Jesus before that day. As I mentioned before, we wanted to go into a time of communion. And if you need to pause a video, pause a recording, uh, run in the other room or hit the volume up, run in the other room and grab something. I want us to go ahead and take a few minutes and get into a time of communion where not only we remember Jesus, but we give thanks to Jesus. You know, it's interesting when we read about these and some of the things that we've, we've looked at that when we read about the blood, uh, you know, the word blood is mentioned over 700 times in the Bible. Uh, we know David referred to the incorruptible blood. We know that Peter spoke about the precious blood and that John talked about, we'll look at that verse in a minute, the uh, overcoming power because of the blood of Jesus. In uh, Leviticus chapter 17, verse 15, we know that the uh, life of the flesh is in the blood. And it's so true, both spiritually and physically, your natural body supplies life-giving oxygen and nutrients all throughout your body into every cell through the blood. And in the blood, your body takes all of the waste and toxins 
and cleans those cells on the same thing. That's in a just a natural state. But the Bible talks about the blood. This Old Testament sacrifices were the blood, but the blood that Jesus shed for us, the blood of his sacrifice cleansed us of all sin when we confess our sins. In fact, we read this verse in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. We looked at this last week. And they overcame. These were the tribulation believers that died and went to heaven and, and really had a testimony. And the hymn they're talking about is Satan himself and the Antichrist. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Where is the power to their testimony? It was through the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. Well, that's where we read about Jesus in that last supper, that time of communion, his last face-to-face -face with those disciples who would be the apostles, looking into the eyes of Judas, who in just a few hours is going to betray him by a kiss, but also by 30 pieces of silver. Peter in the room that's going to deny him three times. Thomas in the room that eight days later is not going to believe that he rose from the dead unless he puts his fingers in the, in the scars in his hands, feet, and puts his hand in his side. Yet, and he knew that they would all run in fear and, and hide. Yet he did this anyways. He brought them to the table and he said as they were eating, he took bread, he blessed and he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out of the Mount of Olives. Well, if you have your elements together, if you would just take the bread and we can do this. In fact, I, I think this is so significant anytime uh, we come in communion that we break the bread to remember that Jesus's body was broken for me. And in his brokenness, in the stripes that went upon his body, I received today healing in my body. Uh, maybe you're out there and you want to stand in today for somebody that, that needs healing. We stand in for that person that needs healing. And we receive by communion, we give thanks to the Lord for healing taking place in that body. Let's receive that together. 
I love what he did when he took the cup. He gave thanks and told them to drink from it. That this was, he said, in fact, he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. So we remember there's power in the shed blood of Jesus. We confess our sins and it's because of the blood of Jesus that our sins are forgiven. There's power in it to overcome Satan himself. That's how they have the power to have a testimony and not love their lives into their own booth because of the blood of Jesus. If the blood going through our bodies is life-giving, how much more is Jesus's blood spiritual life-giving on a day-upon-day basis for our spiritual life? Let's receive that together and give thanks to the Lord. So, Father, we stop and we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the healing taking place in our body. We thank you not only for the forgiveness of sins, but we remember that you also said that now we're in that new covenant with you. Those precious promises fulfilled in Jesus. And by your stripes, we are healed. And by your blood, we are victorious. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we receive our tithes and offerings today, even though we do so uh, online or, or, or through you listening through our podcast, I want to read Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. And I, I, I love this psalm, but think about it as I read it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Isn't it interesting that this verse starts out with the one that's blessed doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. The one that's blessed delights in the law of the Lord, follows the law of the Lord. And the description of that person is like a tree planted right by the rivers of water. What would that mean? Fresh soil, fresh nutrients, water all the time to allow that tree to grow and uh, produce fruit. So I want to pray that over all of us as we give today, that we're like trees standing. We're not listening to the ungodly. The word of God is what we listen to, and the word of God is what directs our life. Well, pray this along with me. And when you repeat this, pray this from your own heart to your father. Say this with me. As I give in today's offering, thank you, Father, that I walk in the counsel of your word and follow your ways. You are the one that has planted me solid and secure in you, and I will be blessed with good fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're giving today, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. And on the top right hand of the screen, you can click the give button. It's safe, it's fast, it's secure. You can also give by mail. Uh, you can write to us at the Hills Church PO Box 
661-666-1419, Arcadia, California, 91066. We thank you for your gifts, your faithfulness, and your support of the ministry happening at the Hills Church in Arcadia. As we do each and every week, we pray that you remember where your help comes from. I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? Where does your help come from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, three weeks from here? Your help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. The Lord bless you. Have a great day. Be watchful. Be praying because Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon.